Hello and welcome to Be a B2B Leader. I'm your host Felician and today my guest is Megan Zemba, the owner of Z Inc. Solutions and host of Mavens of Manufacturing. We will learn from Megan a few tips about empowerment and how we can help women enter men-dominated sectors. It's a topic that lots of people have been thinking about. Maybe not every day, but I'm sure you've been thinking about it every now and then. And we got a guest that's perfect for talking about this. So let's tune in. Hi, Megan, and welcome to the show. Hi, Fleetsian. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm super excited as well, too, because uh, being in the United States, it's interesting to hear the different pronunciations of things. So like you said Z Inc. and I'm used to hearing it Z Inc. and it's just overall fun for me. So I'm really excited to be on a different kind of podcast that I'm used to. So thank you for having me. Yeah. Megan, what should B2B leaders know about empowerment? Yeah, so I think that's an interesting question because when people talk about words, especially words in English, um, I think it's important to really kind of define them first before we dive into what they should know about it. Um, so what is empowerment? It's, it's giving someone the authority to do something, right? Giving them confidence to either make decisions or fulfill some sort of action. And I think that's really important for B2B leaders, especially in industrial manufacturing to know, because it's part of their strategy to be successful, or it should be part of their strategy to be successful. And some of the things that they should take in consideration when thinking about empowering their employees is that one, it drives engagement and motivation. Two, it fosters creativity and innovation. Three, it improves employees' decision-making. Four, it, it builds trusting relationships, not just between leaders and their employees, but employees with other employees. And then five, it really requires clear communication and accountability. So when leaders are giving employees more responsibility or empowering them to be part of that decision-making process, they need to be really clear with them on what their expectations are, but also make sure that they're providing them the resources and the support so that they can fill those expectations. And generally that surrounds what the core values are or the goals of the organization. So B2B leaders need to really sit down and think, you know, what is our company? What are we trying to accomplish? And how do our employees fit within this puzzle? And then when you think of those five things that I just um, mentioned, you're really allowing employees to not only trust themselves, but you're building a positive work culture, which allows them to make decisions fairly quickly, like they're confident in themselves. And then when they feel trusted by their leaders, they're able to be more motivated and determined to do a good job in their work, which allows them to be more creative and also come up with better ideas for, for innovation. So it's all interconnected and it's a really powerful thing when you can empower someone to be confident in their own skill set, skill sets and their abilities to do their job well. I've worked with companies before where uh, there was a lot of micromanaging going on and it mm -hmm. was just, it was really, really just irritating and depressing because 
none of the employees felt like they were trusted. And so they, they tended to quietly quit. And I know that's like a new word uh, or phrase here in in America. I don't know if it's um, everywhere else, but a lot of employers are quietly quitting because they have this sense of, you know, their leadership doesn't really care about them and they're not going to invest in them as employees. So why should they invest their time back to the B2B leaders? So um, I think B2B leaders uh, really need to rethink what their strategy is and think how they can start empowering their employees. Because when you do that for them, um, it's just overall better for your bottom line and, and you get better results in terms of productivity and creativity. Exactly. Like, I think that's the thing with, yeah, with the word leaders in general, that those are the people that don't focus on themselves, but they focus on the whole workforce. They focus on the other people and they are there to help others succeed. Like, yeah, you, yeah, you don't win by working alone, but you, yeah, you win by working with the whole team, by really empowering those people to be them, yeah, the best, the best selves. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. What role does yeah showing up as yourself play in all of this? Because yeah, all of us are different. All of us are unique. So yeah, so I I actually love this question because I was just at an event. It was a, a mastermind, so I'm part of this group. We were initially called the Manufacturing Mafia, but then we were like, maybe Mafia has a negative connection to it, so we might. <laughs> change the name and it's uh we are now called the manufacturing champion so it's a bunch of us here in the united states that love creating content and really advocating for manufacturing and engineering and we talk about some of the major issues that are going on and what sort of solutions we can come up with to to help resolve those issues and just how to help other businesses you know really attract the next generation and one of the things that we started talking about was uh, the art of storytelling and how trust plays a really important role in storytelling. So for companies to really build relationships, not just with their, in, with their employees and their, uh, their customers, but also with their communities, they really need that trust factor. And part of that is being your authentic self. And the next generation, uh, I think they're called Gen Z now, um, I think that's the generation the youngins are in, but uh, because they're so digitally connected through their phones and their iPads and how they're learning content, they are really aware of like issues going on in the world. And they just want people to be upfront and honest with them and be themselves. And if you're not authentic, it comes across as fake and you, it really affects your credibility in a negative way and you're, you're not going to get anyone to trust you. So if you're pretending to be something you're not, um, it's going to really irritate a lot of people and they're going to go find someone else that's really honest and truthful with them. Um, there's a lot of issues that are important to Gen Z that uh, reflect what their core values are. And they just want people to be straight up with them and forthcoming with their information. And if you don't do that, because we are so digitally connected, it's really easy for people to find out information. So if they find out that you're lying to them, right then and there, you're really, you know, affecting the trust factor. And it's really hard to come back from that. 
um, when that's affected. I know back in the day when um, companies started going online and using social platforms like Facebook and stuff, they wanted to delete the negative comments that they were getting. And I always encourage people, no, don't delete them, respond to them because that's a perfect learning opportunity for you. And on top of that, it shows your audience that you're willing to take that negative criticism and actually do something about it. And that helps build trust and relationships too. So I, I really like how we made that shift where you really can't hide behind a curtain anymore. You have to be your authentic self. Otherwise, people are going to start questioning what what your intentions are and if you're really you know, trying to help them out or provide value value to them. So mm-hmm. that's why authenticity is really important because it's just the start of building that trusting relationship and keeping those long-term relationships going, especially with your customers. Yeah, like I think that honesty in business in general... Yeah. yeah it makes the a world of a difference because yeah. yeah it relates both to employees and to customers and basically to partners and everyone else because when you are honest and you say that you can't do something or that you are burned out or that yeah you have some personal problems and just won't perform as you do every other day then yeah. people will yeah acknowledge that and they will let you yeah fight your inner demons, they will support you and then they will trust you more and you will trust more them in turn. And yeah. like I think that that's the thing that we should pay more attention to and really talk about it. That being honest and really showing up as yourself is a yeah one of the major strengths for your career and for your whole life. Absolutely. And I think it's funny. So my show is generally live every Friday. And I get a lot of women who are really hesitant to come on because they're always questioning, well, what if I make a mistake? I'm going to come across as unintelligent or stupid, or like, I don't know what I'm talking about. And it's like, no, like we're all human and we all have our quirks and, you know, unique characteristics. And yes, some of us are considered weird or, you know, some of us are considered funny or direct. Like that's what makes the world so fascinating and fantastic is we are all different from one another. And I think if you're trying to be like someone else, um, you're almost becoming like a robot and it gets boring in my opinion. So I really like those vulnerable conversations because it shows the audience that you're human and it's okay to make fun of yourself every once in a while and to trip on your words. It's, it's not supposed to be scripted when you're having one-on-one conversations with strangers. It's not scripted. Like, yeah, you're going to fumble over your words sometimes, but that's what makes them great. Yeah, like we are all human. We all make mistakes. Right. <laughs> like, that's the truth. <laughs> you can only get better by making them. Like I've never right. met a person that's perfect in every bit. <laughs> like such oh, people don't me exist. Neither. <laughs> <laughs> me neither. I mean, it's something to shoot for, I guess. But I just, yeah, I don't think it's ever going to be achievable perfection. Yeah, but uh, you know, even on the path to being perfect, like you have to make mistakes along the way and learn from them. Like, yeah, absolutely. No matter if you've been in business for two years or 20 or 40, like you will yeah. keep making mistakes and you, every day you can learn something new. Right. And absolutely. you can help others. Like, uh, that's yeah. the thing that 
every mistake that you make is a learning not only for yourself but also for other people in your team or in your network like right you can you share see, them with I, others yeah and i think it's funny because a lot of people are afraid to fail because they might think it's like embarrassing or it's um a hit against like their intelligence or their skill set or whatever but i mean we need that for us to keep growing and progressing we have to make those mistakes and we have to fail. Like some of the greatest technologies out there is because someone messed up somewhere and they had to figure out how to fix it. So yeah, I think if you just keep looking at the glass half full, it's easier to overcome those mistakes and failures instead of like looking at the half, looking at the glass half empty and just like over worrying about stuff that's that's where things tend to like go downhill so I try to fail forward and um what I tell my network and um, I learned this from one of my mentors is that if you can improve one percent every single day you're never going to take a step back so as long as you're one percent better than you were yesterday then that's a great step forward so do it in small in increments <laughs> yeah but I would like to circle back a bit to, to that honesty and, uh, yeah, showing up as yourself. Like, mm -hmm. what do you think? What role play men in that, yeah, in that space? Because I think that we sometimes hide our true identity just because some sectors were dominated by men for such a long time that they, that they didn't want to show that they are not perfect. Like yeah. They didn't want to show those mistakes. Yeah. And so now we have more women entering those sectors. Yeah, it it can be awkward, definitely. So um it, it just really depends on where you are in the world. Cause I've been like reading up on manufacturing different areas of the world because it's gonna be different, right? Um so in the United States, there's a lot of conversations around diversity, equity, and inclusion, because we have a lot of um, human right issues going on. And uh, there's a lot of division going on, but that's not going to be the same as in like India or China or, you know, just other parts of the world. Every country has their own internal issues and it's going to affect how things are manufactured and how people come together. So one common denominator is though, is that women are a low percentage in manufacturing. Um, I have talked to other people around the world who have told me that there are high percentages of women in certain positions. So like on the shop floor, putting things together. And it's interesting because some companies actually preferred that for a long time because of how small our hands were and how dexterous we were. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just easier for us to put things together. And that's why they were on the shop floor. And that, that was something that was true here in the United States too. A lot of women took some of those uh, manual laborist jobs because they were just better at it. Um, but now fast forwarding today, I think in the United States, uh, the last stat that I read, it was like, one in four or one in five women were actually in leadership positions. And the question that we're always asking here is how do we support our women leaders in male dominated industries so that they don't feel isolated, that they do feel empowered and comfortable to make decisions, especially in a room full of men and, you know, that they are successful in climbing up the ladder. And 
in terms of the men that are already here in the industry, they play a huge role in that. Um, a lot of my mentors going through my journey in manufacturing and engineering have been men. They have been the ones to encourage me and they've been telling me, you need to use your voice more. You have a really good skill set. So men need to to take that upon themselves still to keep empowering the women that they see potential in and encouraging them in offering suggestions and just giving them that advice. Um, if they see something bad happening to a woman, make sure to call it out right away. Don't just let it happen. Otherwise, that culture is going to continue going. And it has. Like I've talked to a lot of women who've had some negative experiences within engineering and manufacturing. Um, but I've also talked to women who've had no experience with that stuff because they've just been surrounded by really good people. So again, it just depends on where you are and like what sort of culture existed before you entered into that space and then what sort of changes you can make. Um, I know there's a lot of companies here in the United States who are investing in continuous education. So if someone's coming up the ranks and they need that extra training, they're actually paying mm-hmm. for the classes and the certification and giving them time off of work so that they can attend that. So um, they're really trying not to just focus on one generation where, okay, since the older generations are moving out, let's just forget about them. And since the younger generations aren't really aware of what engineering manufacturing are, let's just focus 100% on them. Um, It's a combination. So how can we empower the older generation, get the knowledge that they have, because it's vitally important before they retire and leave, And then how can we upskill the current generation who have been in the sector for a long time so that we can empower them and make them comfortable with the new skill set? And then what can we do to bring awareness to the younger generation and really educate them on all the opportunities that exist and then connect them with, you know, the, the millennials and Gen Xers as well as the baby boomers. So it's all again, interconnected. And it's not a simple black and white answer. Like there's a lot of work that we need to do, especially here in the United States. Um, in other countries, I'm not so familiar with the demographics or the dynamics of the situation, but I know for a fact that women are still a low percentage. So anywhere in the world, if men just stand up and take someone underneath their their wings, um, and mentor them, that's going to be make a huge difference. And it's going to empower women to feel comfortable to use their voices, especially in any situations where they might feel there's adversity or inequality happening. They'll be able to say, no, this isn't right. And this is what we need to do to fix it. So it's all about having those crucial conversations and respecting one another, and then just helping each other out. But because men are so dominant, they need to speak a little louder, I think, yeah. so than they have been. Yes, it's going to be awkward because <laughs> it's okay, like you said, it's it been be. male dominated for so so yeah. long. But I think if we can get over that initial awkwardness, everything will be fine. <laughs> yeah. Like the thing you mentioned about, yeah, the different generations that are there that the younger ones have to learn from the seniors and vice versa. Like I see this thing in almost every industry like Mm -hmm. the younger people that are joining 
they need that guidance. They need those mentors who've been there. Yeah. They've seen the evolution. They've seen what was working, let's say, even 20 or 30 years ago and why it stopped and all of that. But those generations, they have to really work together and talk with each other. And I think that's that's one part where women can shine because yeah. they like to stick to themselves, to the things they, they know. And they, yeah, <laughs> the, the older ones, at least they don't want to make too many friendships with younger folks. But They do. Yeah. It's in, and I mean, it's funny because, I mean, men and women are different. That's obvious. And that's not a bad thing. And it's not something to cringe at. Like we each have our own unique characteristics that we can use in different ways. And as you mentioned, women tend to be more relationship focused. So they work really well in team um, focused environments and with collaboration, whereas men are more competitive and they seem to excel better when they work on their own and by themselves. So how can you combine the two is really where I think that secret sauce is going to be. But I mean, when you were younger, I don't know if this was something popular in where you grow up, but we were always asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I think the education systems need to do a better job to prep kids for what happens after they're done with school. Um, Because at 18, do you really want to have your entire life figured out? Like if you do, fantastic. But I was one of those kids where I was just like, man, I just want to travel the world and hang out and make stupid decisions and, you know, be a kid still. Like, I don't want to have my whole life figured out. And um, there was so much pressure here in the United States to go to college, like a four-year university and have your life figured out at a set time. Um, It really screwed up a lot of people, I think, because they were just like, I don't know what I want to do. And kind of spinning like my daughter for example um she's 19 she's in college right now and one of the things I have to show her how to do is her taxes because she doesn't know how to do that she's 19 and I was like how do you not know how to file your taxes and she's like no one ever taught me and I'm like well that's fair I guess so when she comes home for break I have to like show her how to do it so she doesn't get in trouble and go to jail (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's terrible. Like, I, yeah. I'm thankful for living in Poland that I don't have to do such things. <laughs> but when it comes to the education system, like for me, when I started school, like the only thing I was thinking about was, yeah, I want to finish school and I want to go to work just because the system is so broken and I yeah. feel like in a prison. And, yeah. yeah. It was terrible. And literally, I'm not using, yeah. Maybe I'm using like 5% of the things that I've learned at school or even yeah. less. Like, yeah, there, I, have, I have so many friends who went to college. Some even have their doctorates. And I think it's like 1% of them are actually using their degree in the field that they studied. And the majority of them are like, no, I just went to school for this. And then I ended up in this industry and yeah, it's a lot more fun than what I went to school for. And I'm like, see, like how, how do we resolve that? So I think that's something that needs to get figured out too, because yeah, yeah, kids are, kids are getting stressed out bad. Yeah. Um, when they hit that senior year 
of for us, it's high school. When they hit that senior year of high school, some of them are so stressed out because they're just like, I don't know what I want to do. Like, I, I don't have this figured out. And like, if they don't have it figured out, they feel like they failed. And I'm like, no, just go travel the world. Learn about other cultures, about other people, about other languages. Yeah. Eat the food, drink drink the wine, have fun, and then figure out what you want to do. That's how you're going to learn. Yeah. And some so, parents get mad at me. What do you think? What can schools or the education system in general do to to encourage people to join sectors that seem unknown to them that seems scary yeah so that's such a tough question because yeah i mean the united states is so big and there's different types of manufacturing in different areas of the united states so some areas will focus on like just the tech side of things where other areas will focus on the hands-on things and the raw materials and um, working with your, your hands. Um, But I think there needs to be a connection with the businesses in each communities and the schools that exist within those communities. So like, for example, where I'm from, um, we have one manufacturing company that makes engines for submarines, uh, naval submarines and naval carriers. And they need a ton of welders all of the time. Um, the high school I graduated from, the welders that are in the high school had no idea that that was a thing. And it's because mm-hmm. there's no, they're, they're not having conversations with one another. So I think manufacturers specifically need to be more proactive in who they're pitching their products and services to. Yes, you should be customer focused, but I think you should also be community focused as well too, and try to volunteer some of your time, whether that's um, going to the high schools or the middle schools or the elementary schools and talking about what you build and what you create uh, having facility tours where you're bringing in kids as a field trip and showing them all of the cool things that you're doing, because a lot of kids don't know that their cell phone has so many parts to it and how they're manufactured that I think if they saw that, they'd be like, wow, this is really cool. I want to learn more about it. So I, I feel like facility tours are really important. And then, um, if there's a trade show in your local area, try to sponsor kids coming to the trade show. I did that with IMTS um, last year and the kids absolutely loved it because again, they didn't know that all of it existed. They were only familiar with what they were learning in their Votech program. Um, Schools in general need to refocus some of their strategy as well too um, because some of the programs were put on the back burner and not really prioritized. So in the United States specifically, we kind of downplayed the importance of manufacturing. Um, I think it started in the early seventies and we were so focused on having everyone be college educated where they had to go to a four year university. We kind of forgot about the trades and now we're trying to make up for it. So we need to prioritize the trades again. And I think instead of making them uh, an elective class or, you know, something that the kids can choose from if they want to, we need to start making them a requirement because it's not just learning that skill. It's also learning soft skills like communication and problem solving and critical thinking. 
that goes along with it. And some kids just don't know how to do that anymore because they're not doing these things. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with first robotics, but that's really popular yep. here in the United States. And I'm actually trying to get a team started at the high school I graduated from. And everywhere I go, anyone who has a first robotics team, it's just been such a, a bridge connector between the companies who are sponsoring it and mentoring for it and the kids that are involved with it. So that's one of the things I'm trying to do as well. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Megan, it was awesome to talk with you about all those topics. What would you say, what's the biggest takeaway or what would you like the audience to take away from this conversation? Um, that's such a good question because there's so much people can do to help, um, make engineering and manufacturing exciting. Um, for one with women, if you are a manufacturing owner and you're having a hard time recruiting women, I really want you to take a step back and ask yourself why, like, what can we do to change that? And if you are getting in front of students and you see that girl in the back, kind of with her head down, not talking, bring her into the conversation, call her out, uh, pick on her, I guess. Um, but get her to interact. And because once, once kids know that you care and that you believe in them, um, they start building that confidence. And it's really important to start doing that at younger ages instead of waiting until they're much later on in their, their school career. Um, because if they can believe that they can do anything, they're going to, they're going to, follow that. Um, the other thing is, is if you're not connected with your schools or if you're not sponsoring anything or mentoring anyone, think about, um, creating a mentorship program because it's important. Um, kids want to have conversations and I feel like we have the, all of these discussions surrounding the problem, but we're not really doing anything to solve it. And a lot of these leaders are talking about, Oh, we got to do this, this, and this but they're not going to the kids and actually having conversations with them. They're not having, they're not asking them questions. They're not getting to know them. So if you're not putting yourself in front of the next generation, they're not going to care about you in the long run. So make sure you're being more proactive and stepping outside of your comfort zone and actually talking to the kids, because when you start having conversations with them, um, it's really going to help with your business strategy as well, too, because, yeah, they may be kids now, but they're actually going to be your future workforce as well as your future customers. So building that relationship when they're younger is just going to be better for you in the long term. I love this takeaway. <laughs> like, we have to think long term no matter what you do. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Megan, where can people find you and how can you help them? Yeah, so I am available on LinkedIn if you're there. I'm also on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, my email is Megan at zincsolutions.com, and that's M E A G H A N at Z I N K solutions.com. And yeah, you can message me. I'm also available at mavensmanufacturing.com. I have a scheduling link there. Feel free to click that and schedule a half an hour conversation with me. And um, yeah, 
that's pretty simple. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Like, it was a pleasure to have you. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you on LinkedIn. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs>